0: a nice day in California.
1: You're listening to KVTA Afterwards, the show where we sit down and we talk about the many events that took place on KVTA Morning Show. I'm here with Tom Spence. I'm Tom McLean. How's it going, Spence? How was the show this morning?
0: We had a lot of fun, a lot of great topics, one that we're going to get to because now you've made me... Not nearly as fascinated as your your son is, uh, but I'm starting to just you know what you focus on expands. So mm-hmm. when I'm at the bookstore, I'll see a book and I go, oh, that's a, a shipwreck book, or that's an, a really interesting Titanic article came up, and we're going to hit that a little bit, and some other things like a strippers union. How oh. about that? A Death Valley run, and we're also going to be talking about our first topic here, and that's No Mo May. They are asking us not to mow our lawns. Now, we got the memo on May 15th, and I just talked about it today, May 17th. No Mow May encourages homeowners to help bees by letting their lawns just simply grow. Now, I have some people in my neighborhood that must love bees. Yeah. Because they've been doing that anyway. Uh, But it's really, really interesting about mowing the lawn. Now I know you were raised in a different neighborhood. You mm-hmm. you were raised in kind of a tough place. Right. So where and I don't were there lawns and were there like what what was your house like up in Sacramento?
1: Yeah, we actually had a pretty good sized property. It was maybe like uh, I mean, for given the city, it was probably like maybe half an acre. That's big. almost
0: half an acre, maybe something That's like that. That's good size because ours yeah. was only a quarter. And that was considered a big patch of land in TO back in the day.
1: Yeah, we had a. um, It was a pretty good sized little chunk. It was a long strip, but it was, uh, and we had a lot of grass, a lot of trees. So were you a mower? Uh, I was unfortunately the mower of the of the property most of the time most of those years being the older kid and as soon as I was able to grip the mower
0: that dad passed that responsibility down to me and mine was passed on to me kind of funny it skipped my brother because he was and I'm not kidding you this is the torture I had as a youth he was a great baseball player John can't do the lawn today because he's going to go to practice can you do the lawn and I'm thinking wait a minute He's going to do something fun like baseball, so the lawn mowing gets tossed to me. But I became the mower of lawns. But the interesting thing is, I'm allergic to bees. If I get stung, I'm in trouble. I really do. I swell up and get all goofy. So it's a a problem for me. And anybody who's been out in places like this, we had bottle brushes and all these flowery big trees and bushes. There was bees everywhere. So when they're saying no mow may, encouraging homeowners to help bees by letting their lawns grow, it makes me want to mow it twice a week. Because even though I I get the bee thing totally, bees are needed, Uh, butterflies are pretty. But apparently with all the work we've been doing With pesticides, with mowing lawns And not letting flowers bloom as they're supposed to We're hurting the bee population
1: Yeah, and the whole thing with weed abatement And everybody's wanting us to tear everything down And it's, it's a very strange thing It's a, you know every time you take something away, you don't realize the impact it has until you start just to see all the things fall into place.
0: That's right. Exactly. Unintended consequences. Because mm-hmm. you think, well, we have to do this to make it safe for forest fires. Now the bee's got nowhere to go. Okay. So now we're going to do, it's just man's intrusion on everything.
1: I was somewhere. I was seeing the, the the whole thing. You know how you see bees that are laying on the ground, and they're just mm-hmm. kind of like like they're something wrong with them or something. Apparently, they get tired while they're flying, and a lot of times they'll just kind of like chill. And if <laughs> but if you give them a little bit of honey or water, they'll they'll get up and and take off again. I, it
0: seems like the craziest thing, but I guess bees fly until they're too tired to go. Yeah, and where are they going to rest? Yeah, yeah. You know, why in the middle <laughs> of the sidewalk, buddy? Yeah. You know, it's just like the the two things that were horrible to step on. The first time I got stung by a bee, barefoot, I stepped. On one, mm-hmm. and my foot swelled up. And I'm thinking, what the heck's going on here? The two things, and well, three things in nature: one, a bee, bad sting; two, a snail, barefoot, ick; and I guess three is just poop. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. That's one of those things. that And you'll wash your foot like a thousand times just because of the. Uh, the awfulness of it but that said uh, so they're actually resting
1: yeah that's the at least that's the way i understood i mean you know i fall for pranks every once in a while so who mm-hmm. knows maybe somebody just wants me to run around with some honey water i don't just know just like
0: the the next guy yes we all <laughs> we all take one but no mo may pesky weeds like clovers and dandelions are like cheeseburger for a bee that's their favorite food so we got to think of the population. Well, there was a
1: uh, there was a, a kind of a weed that was common in Sacramento. I don't see it as much here, but it was like a little, almost like a little white flowery thing. Is that and the bees love those. One? No, but they, it grew amongst
0: that. With, yeah, within I'm thinking the of dandelion. Guys. Yeah. I'm thinking dandelion. The other little yellow ones that were up there. When I mowed, and that was my big thing, uh, the bottle brush that we had, the red, uh, they looked like bottle brushes. That's why they called them that. They were just bee heaven. Uh, so if you want to be nice to bees, it's good to plant the natives and maybe a few times let your grass go, especially in May, because apparently that's when bees are in need. Yeah,
1: and put out a bowl of honey water out front just in case they want to top stop and take a rest by your place.
0: And we have the, the bee thing, the Honey Lane. Have you ever been that 126? Uh, there's a uh, actual place where they have bees and they produce honey. Oh. It's on the 126. You'll see it's like either Honey Way or Honey Lane. Yeah, I've seen the yeah, sign on the, right on the 126. Oh, Pull I in sometimes. you got a little beehive there. It's really cool. Oh, nice. Carrying on here, we've got to go to the strippers. Yes, there is a stripper union now, and apparently it's the first strippers union in a decade expected to form this week. They voted, and they're going to unionize, and this was really a big deal. And they, they come under, oddly enough for a stripper, SAG. Thank you. Yeah, that's what they go under because they're performers. Yeah. And that's it. So they have a union, the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar in North Hollywood. They expect to recognize and negotiate with the Union of Strippers. And a lot of it, this is where the joking stops, uh, strippers do get harassed. Yeah. So they, they want upgraded security. So 100% get that. But I wonder what were some of the other. You know, complaints along with that, because certainly they have to be protected in that area, because not that I'm recommending this as a job opportunity, but there's some out there that make ridiculous money. Right. Oh, ridiculous absolutely. Ridiculous money.
1: Yeah. And there's they're usually leaving work at an hour that's not particularly not so safe. Good. And yeah, it's where do they
0: put the cash?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: That could be another issue. Uh, but just one of those things. It is a strippers union. Uh, that has been created. And it's the first one in many, many years. And this club said, okay, we'll deal with this and we'll have a union. So I just, I wish they also put down the pay scale just to see, you know, what they were after. Uh, Because the other thing is, I don't know if with inflation, this still holds, but a lot of singles.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I used to play music and bartend a little bit here and there. And I did some of those parties like bachelor parties and one of the parties I went to, they had like 30 guys there, and the minimum entry, you had to walk in and show that you had 100 singles. Oh. I won't tell you what happened afterwards. Oh. But think of that, 30 guys, 100 singles, and that was minimum entry. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Man. Uh, so there's cash there. I, I think these were non-union workers at the time. <laughs> so uh, that's the way that went. You didn't check
1: the SAG, um, did sag not. card?
0: Yeah, did not. Yeah, did not ask to see anything else. Now, the other thing I wanted to chat about here, because one of my fabulous uh, coaches was involved with this. We were talking about, they did a map of all the states, the high place in the state and the low place in the state. Now, generally, most states have a mountaintop and then sea level. California has Death Valley. So the interesting thing about California, we actually have a altitude of 14,500 feet, and I believe Death Valley is minus 282 feet actually oh. below sea level so these lunatics as we have found over the many many years people doing like ultra marathons and triathlons and all this stuff the bad water ultra marathon describes itself as the world's toughest foot race check this out you start at 282 feet below sea level in the bad water basin and you end up only, and I say only, at the Whitney portal. So the Whitney portal is about 8,360. I, I climbed Whitney, summited once, and we got uh, snowed out another time. So 8,360 feet. Here's the funny thing to get from the 282 below and to get to the 8,360 above, it's a 135 mile run. Ooh, ooh. What in God's name? When a hundred and thirty five mile run
1: so it's a five at least five marathons
0: yeah if you Ooh. and I'm thinking you know when people say well how far is that just start looking like if you went from from here to like Dodger Stadium I think that'd be about sixty miles mm-hmm. from here to Dodger Stadium sixty miles so you run to Dodger Stadium and back and you're not even at the distance oh. and you're running through some pretty harrowing terrain. There's a couple of things. One, the personality of the person that would do such a thing. Mm-hmm. My God. And then how do you train for it? No, I know, you know right? I'm gonna do 40 miles today. I, I really don't <laughs> get it. I, I guess maybe if we hook up with Josh Spiker over at Mile 26, he, he's run marathons, and, and so has uh, uh, Tuttle, uh, here, Gary Tuttle, in the county. He actually finished second in the Boston, and he was one of the top cross-country runners in the world back when he ran. And he ran in the Prefontaine days which puts him back to the early seventies as a college runner, but it's that type of thing. You were in Hawaii. Yeah. Did you ever hang out near the uh, Ironman, the
1: original? I didn't go to the Ironman. I did. I did this one that was called the um, the Koli Koli Pass Half Marathon. There was there was a Koli Koli Pass Marathon, and then there was also I forget what it was called, but it was a bigger one that was I, I want to say fifty miles or something like that. But that was also the Koli Koli Pass thing. It was, but it was a very um, very steep upgrade and all of that. But I remember that a lot of times when you're training for a marathon, the most that you really run is about half of the distance. So you're right. Like if you're doing something like that, how do
0: you how
1: do you train for something yeah. that's got so massive? Yeah. They'll
0: always tell you on your long, and this, I ran two marathons, and my mistake was I. Uh, you're supposed to run, like you said, in that range, but there's supposed to be one or two times that you run like 18 or 19 just to see where you are. Uh, the longest I ran, I think, was 14. And I was talking to a woman at the YMCA who was a good runner. And when I told her that, she went, oh, no. And I thought, is this a bad sign that this woman who runs marathons, when I told her the longest I had ran was 14. And she was dead on because when I ran my first marathon, I hit the halfway on fire. I I was below two hours, which I know for runners, that's slow. But I was at like 150. One hour and 50 minutes at the halfway. When I finished... It was four hours and 18 minutes. I crashed on the last half of that thing because I didn't do my long longs. So anybody who does this type of endeavor totally admire that. But I also have to ask, why? Right. That's you know? pretty wild. It, it, it's, it's intense. And the, we know that the Ironmans are 2.2 on a swim. Mm-hmm. You hop out of the water, and then you jump on a bicycle, and I think you ride about 110 yeah. ten miles Then you hop off The seat of the bike And you run 26.2
1: You aren't even allowed To use the bell On your bike either. No it's not just at just all.
0: Straight away You just can't do it And if you do That thing they call Drafting mm-hmm. You know when they tell you If you were disqualified when you, After the race After the race Oh so, you can finish, and they might say, Hey, hey number 2713, yow. You're too close yeah. to that other. Cat. You, you drafted, so you can't go through. So, again, my uh, old running coach, Herb Potter, great running coach back in the TO days. I know he still lives in the area. He used to do some of these long, long races, but that's the one, the Bad Water Ultra Marathon from Death Valley up to the portal at Mount Whitney. What a run, what an endeavor. So, let's go over to the Titanic now. When I saw this, Uh, story this morning. It's really fascinating about the Titanic and the new look they have on it, and apparently this is new imaging that they've done. You saw what it revealed. Fascinating. Has a kid seen it yet?
1: No, not yet. He was in school. so now, was... pull him
0: out. This is way better.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, I feel like he's so interested in all of this, he's probably going to choose something going in this direction. So maybe he would
0: get a better education by sitting at home and going over all this stuff. Yeah, it's following your uh, passions. And it says here, it's the first full-size digital scan of the Titanic, which is 12,500 feet below surface. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's over two miles. Yeah, I think it's one
1: of the deepest. I think there there might be a couple that are deeper than the Titanic, but it is definitely one of the deepest that there is.
0: Now, the stuff we've talked about, I always post up on our KVT Morning Show page, which is the uh, also afterwards page. So I put this story up there. Matt, you've got to take a look at this. What we can do now with technology is pretty cool, providing that unique 3D view of the entire ship, enabling it to be seen as if the water has been drained away. That's so cool. So no murkiness there. And when did this sink? Oh, it was uh, 1911, wasn't it? 1912. 12, yeah, 12, right 11. there, right around tax time. Uh, it was April 15th-ish is is when that sank. More than 1,500 people died when the ship struck an iceberg we all know the story you saw the movie which kind of talked about it but you have one point in the movie that kind of bothers you historically a leave out
1: yeah they left out the whole story of the Californian apparently there was some stuff shot about it but I guess it would have caught it would have taken up too much of the movie I'm not sure what why the decision was made um, but somewhere I read that there was you can actually see the Californian in one of the James Cameron shots in one of the movie in the movie. Mm-hmm. So apparently there was some kind of a nod to it, but you know it's pretty crazy though when you think about it that they were close enough. There was I me and Tommy have been watching Survivor interviews, and one of the Survivor was talking about we could see the Californian, and she's like, not we couldn't just see the lights. We could actually see that there was light coming from a ship. We could, it, we could see the windows and like. Could you imagine that? Just sitting there, just bobbing around, just knowing that that ship is right there.
0: And it's the old cliche, like ships in the night. Yeah. And they yeah. they should have known. And there were flares.
1: There were flares, and the Californian, under testimonies, said that they didn't realize that they were emergency flares. And uh, it's pretty crazy. Apparently, the captain didn't really want to get out of bed. You know, his crew was like, hey, there's this stuff going on. Get my we'll sleep. be okay.
0: Yeah. Don't worry about that. And this comes from... A lot of people blame it just on arrogance, but you also have to look at the fact that they really believed this. Yeah. That, hey, this is a ship that could literally be an icebreaker. So the arrogance, sure, it was there. But on the other hand, they say, oh, no worries.
1: Well, remember, the reason why they didn't have to get all those lifeboats is because the Titanic herself is a lifeboat. Like that was, they sold mm-hmm. people on that. So they go, like, oh, okay.
0: And it would clutter up the deck. Don't you want to have more room? Mm -hmm. And now you go on a cruise ship, and there's these little boats everywhere. And before you get uh, set sail, they have everybody stand up, and you got your— It's always great to have a a drill when some people already have six cocktails in them because they got to the ship early. Right. So that's it on the Titanic. I will post all of this— On our KVTA Morning Show Facebook page, you'll see Tom and I on the uh, front of that page. And a lot of great articles. A lot of fun for you here. Another wonderful afterwards.
1: Thank you so much for sitting down with me, Spence. And thank you for listening to 1590 KVTA Afterwards, everywhere podcasts are found.